church we're so excited to be in church with you guys this morning happy sunday would you guys stand and worship with us this morning Let faith 
heaven break out. Come now in power, cover this land like you've done it before. Won't you do it again? me. 
just sing this out. Let your praise lift him up and be Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we lift you up. We thank you for your presence within us and your presence among us today. Hallelujah. I just feel just with a, a sweet presence of the Lord in here. If there's anybody here, you would like somebody to agree with you in some area, whether it's for healing or direction, wisdom, whatever it may be, financial. Just lift up your hand where you are. Hallelujah. We are the body of Christ. And the Bible says, when one member suffers, we all suffer. So we stand with each other. Amen. So those of you who are lifting your hands, uh, if everyone will just look around and uh, find somebody, we're just going to agree with them. Lay your hand on them. It's a symbol that we stand with you and we're agreeing with you. Amen. Is everybody covered? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we agree together with one another in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for whatever needs there are. We speak life. We speak provision. We speak healing. We speak direction and freedom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We stand together. And thank you, Lord, for the answer. We receive the answer in Jesus' name. Now, those of you who are had your hands up, just say this right now after me. Just say, I receive in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just wherever you are standing, it's fine. Just maybe just put your hand on somebody's elbow or something, somebody standing next to you. And let's pray one for another. Hallelujah. Not everybody had their hand up, but it's still good. The Apostle Paul said, of whom I mention, make mention of you in my prayers always. So, Lord, we pray one for another today. Strengthen each one, Lord, with mighty power by your spirit in their inner man. Strength, Father. Strength, spiritual strength in Jesus' name. And each one, O oh Lord, would walk in the will and the plan of God for their lives. Jesus would be so real to them. Shine the light. They would walk in the light. They would walk in the truth. They would walk in the love of God. Hallelujah. Unite our hearts. And we worship you. Thank you for the supernatural at work in us, O oh Lord, and through us, and through us to others, Father. Hallelujah. We welcome your presence today, Lord, as we worship you. We thank you. You inhabit the praises of your people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's just thank him. Let's just thank him. Lord, we thank you that you're at work. You are working supernaturally. Hallelujah. You are working behind the scenes. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Lord. 
thank you for it, Lord. <laughs> oh, we give you praise and glory and honor. Jesus, there's none like you. <laughs> oh, we rejoice in you. We rejoice in you. We rejoice in you. Hallelujah. division, to guard against strife, because Teal Osborne said this once, it's the banana that gets pulled away from the bunch, that's the one that gets peeled. And you know, in these days, there is a lot of peeling going on because people just get so offended all the time. But boy, we need to just love one another and pray for one another and overlook differences like never before. We're never gonna agree on anything. Believe it or not. Do you remember that? Um, do you remember that show? It's many decades ago. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. I don't agree, Pastor Mike, and I don't even agree on everything. I know, hard to believe. But you'll never agree with anybody on everything. And that's why we just agree to disagree on some stuff and we love one another and we pray for one another. Hallelujah. We guard our unity because we're stronger together. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, thank God for the victory that is ours for our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Before you're seated, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to a few people sitting around you. We're going to dismiss the children now to Kids Church. And 
And for those of you who are worshiping with us today online, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us this way. There's no distance in the spirit. We know that you're going to be ministered to there where you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be in church. Amen. Hallelujah. If you are worshiping with us today for the first time, we're glad that you're here. And in the seat in front of you, there is a connect card. If you wouldn't mind filling that out and just putting it in the offering as it passes, we'd like to know that you were here. If there's anything you would like prayer about or any way you would like to communicate with us, you can always fill out one of those cards and uh, we will. someone on staff will be in touch with you. Amen. We have some friends visiting with us today from Boise, Idaho, right? Uh, I'm going to have you stand in just a moment. Anyway, dear uh, Mickey and Christy McCaleb, I don't know. Yeah, some of you guys remember them. They were on staff with us and moved away. It's been 21 years ago. Yeah, stand up, Mickey and Christy, please. And their two daughters are here and son-in-law. Why don't you guys all stand? We, you just get to be embarrassed altogether. You have to stay standing. Uh, Aubrey, Aubrey, raise your hand. She was four months old when they moved away. And um, they, they were back once when Aubrey was four. Uh, Mickey is on staff at a church there in Boise, Idaho. He, after they left the church, Mickey went and got his, he's like really smart now. Uh, when he was with us, he wasn't as smart. But now he got his doctorate or something or other. Do you have your doctorate or master's or what are you? Are you a doctor? Excuse me. Dr. and Mrs. McCaleb are in the room today. <laughs> anyway, and he is on staff at the church, and he does most of their counseling for them. And so we're just so blessed, you know. And then also, Ron and Karen Hart, I don't know how many of you remember them. Ron, Ron and Karen um, retired a few years ago, moved up to their area, and they're going to their church. And uh, Dr. McCaleb reported... <laughs> that they're their church every Sunday. I said, well, they were in our church every Sunday too. So, you know, we actually have that. Okay, I think I've said everything I could, was wanting to say about you guys. Let me see. Beautiful daughters are here. We're so glad that they took time from their... Okay, you guys can sit down now. Um, we're so glad that they took time from their vacation to come visit us. Uh, and we're, we're just, we love them. Uh, uh, Mickey was our singles... Was it singles or young adults or both at first? And then he became our youth pastor. And Christy worked in the office for us and kept us together. And um, they were just a real blessing. She, she came to our church when she was a teenager. And then she met Mickey in Tulsa at Rama Bridal Training Center. And uh, so anyway, they came back. And uh, it's just so wonderful to have them with us today. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Uh, just a few things we want to let you know about. Uh, Kids Vacation Bible School is this week, and uh, you can still sign up a neighbor. Please, uh, we had a little bit of problems. Apparently, our website was saying that registration was closed for about a week, uh, but it wasn't. So a uh, little bit of an error there. So, uh, But we got that fixed, and so if you tried to register, or a friend of yours, or a neighbor of yours, or fan, uh, tried to register, and it said that actually registration wasn't closed. There was just a little, a little error there. So you may sign uh, your kids up uh, for vacation Bible school. The youth are coming back today. They've been at youth camp since Thursday, I believe. Yeah, and they're coming back. Oh, Mama Pacheco is happy. She needs her son so much, I know. And uh, they're coming back at noon today, praise the Lord. And um, Pastor Chip sent us a video of uh, the first uh, about day and a half there. So uh, guys, if you want to go ahead and roll that, this is just a, a little snippet of the first day and a half at youth camp. They got a lot done in a day and a half. Uh, that's a house that they rented. I think it's up in Fraser, and um, they had to indoor their own indoor uh, pool. It was a really large house that they rented, so I know they had a wonderful time. Pastor Chip will be giving a report on it next Sunday. Uh, and then also just a reminder, uh, in July, I think it's 12 and 13, we're going to have our kids camp here at the church. It's two days and one night, and so uh, if you haven't signed your children up for that, you can do that online, uh, and um, or there's a uh, hard copies over at the kids' check-in. We're going to give you an opportunity to give this morning. Praise the Lord! You can find envelopes in your the seats around you, uh, and uh, or you can give electronically as well. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! 
Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we have thankful hearts. We come to you today, Lord, with thankful hearts. Thankful for all that uh, we can count up that you have done for us. But Lord, we know that there are even things we don't know about that you daily do for us in protection, in provision, in guidance that we're not even aware about. So Lord, we thank you for those things that we know that you've done for us, but even Lord, for those things that we don't know. Our English words aren't enough to say thank you. We worship you. And it is with our money that we also worship you, Lord. And we give to you the first fruits of our increase because we worship you. And we thank you that you're so good, Lord, that you provide for us and you take care of us. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us that we can touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. After you've been given the chance to give in the offering this morning, would you stand and worship with us again? The reign of darkness now has ended In the kingdom of light In the kingdom of light Forever under your dominion You're the king of my life You're the king of my life And you cross the work was finished god you poured out your life just to give us new life now from the lips of the forgiven hear an anthem arise cause jesus you're alive and you reign above it all Seated alone in glory, 
confession before we get started. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to start this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes by the Holy Ghost, This know also that in the last days... 
perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. That verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power, tells us that he's talking about the church, not the world. Now, there's nothing in this list that's time-specific. By that, I mean the generation that he was living in was um, filled with people that did these things. Every generation since then has been filled with people that do these things. You know, if it was, if this list was given us, given to us for evidence of the time that we're living in, then it would seem to us that he could have told us something like, beware of hackers in our social media. But instead, he gave us what we've written. And the answer is in chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. Be in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. So one of the things that we can expect to see in the last days is for people to reject the word one of the things that that in Matthew chapter 24 when Jesus is talking about the end of time one of the things he mentions was persecution the church in the west particularly America has avoided, for the greater part, the kind of persecution that the rest of the world is under. Apparently, according to the organizations that keep up with these types of things, 40% of Christians in the world today are under threat of violence for what they believe. That works out to one in seven believers worship God under a threat of violence to themselves and to their families. There are some horrific things that are going, going on and taking place. And most of the, um, the countries that um, are operating in persecuting the church are Islamic nations and radical Islamic groups are the ones that are 
by and large, carry out the persecution and the, the violence against the church. Another thing that Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews, I believe Paul was the one that wrote it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it said, Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So even though it's not specifically identified as last day occurrence, he does talk about the day of the Lord approaching One of the things that Jesus spoke to in Matthew chapter 24, talking about the end of time, he makes mention of pestilence, which is the word plagues, that will take place or lead up to the rapture of the church. We've seen a plague in our lifetime through the coronavirus pandemic and we've seen how the government responds or responded to the coronavirus remember the Bible teaches us that there are unseen forces that control the governments of the world so the spirit of the world dealt with the pandemic through isolation. Most of the countries in the world were willing to sacrifice their economies by lockdowns and such. And they gave us these stupid little masks we had to wear. And they said to us that they, we needed to follow the science. But there wasn't any science behind anything that took place. They arbitrarily told us that we had to stay six feet away from each other. And that we couldn't assemble. The church found out that it was irrelevant according to the government powers that be. And it was specifically an attack against the future of the church. In Europe, 50% of the churches that were locked down or closed never opened back up. And we saw just how ridiculous 
things were by misdiagnosis. There was at one, one time a study that was done that doctors estimated that half of the coronaviruses cases that were diagnosed were misdiagnosed. And there were um, treatment, available treatment medicine that was available, but there were lawsuits that were filed against hospitals and doctors that refused to use conventional medicine But Paul told Timothy that preached the word. Preaching the word was the answer. Now let's see what that answer looks like. Matthew chapter 7, the end of the chapter. It says in verse 28, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Notice the word one in verse 29 is in italics. That means the translators added it. This is an important thing to recognize, I believe. Because in verse 28 it says the people were astonished at his doctrine, not him, but at his doctrine. For he taught them as having authority and not as the scribes. If you look at these words, as and having, the word as is talking about the manner in which something is done, or in other words, how. And the word having means to hold. So Jesus taught them how to hold authority and not as the scribes. Now look with me to chapter 8. Verse 5, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come in healing. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have found not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out in the outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. Now when Jesus taught how to hold authority, this man got a hold of it. 
And Jesus identified him as having great faith. So his recognition of authority has a great deal to do with what the Bible refers to as great faith. Now, what did this man understand? He understood that authority was carried out and used, used by the words that we speak. In his description of himself, he said, I'm a man under authority, and when I say something to those that are under me, they do what I tell them to do. So he concluded that Jesus had authority over sickness and disease. Now, we don't know that he saw people healed or heard about it, but he nevertheless, whether he did or didn't, I expect he probably did because he lived in a place where Jesus did a lot of miracles. He recognized that Jesus' words had authority over sickness and disease. Now, the great faith that Jesus refers to is most probably identified by the centurion not looking for Jesus to come to his house, but just simply to speak the word. Now, I think we can all recognize that Jesus was pleased to find this guy that had great faith. I think we can also take it a step further and say that Jesus would care for us or desire for us to have the same kind of great faith that the centurion did. Have an understanding of authority and utilize that faith by speaking God's word. We don't have Jesus to standing here among us to speak the word in whatever situation we're facing in our lives. So he gave us God's word in the Bible for us to utilize the same kind of faith by speaking the word of God over our symptoms or our situations. Look with me to Matthew chapter 15. Here's another person that Jesus identifies as having great faith. Verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. 
Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The greatness of this woman's faith appears to be that she just would not accept any obstacle or any circumstance to keep her from what she was after. By Jesus not answering her, it implies that he was not interested to do what she wanted done. And part of that is probably because of the place that they were in. In other places in the gospel, it tells us that Jesus wouldn't do any work in these cities on the, the coast. It's probably one of the Decapolis cities that he refused to minister in. But nevertheless, she came to him and refused to be denied. He gave his reason. I'm not, not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But that didn't turn her off. She came before him, fell down before him and worshiped him. Then Jesus speaks to her and says, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs, which is a, a derogatory term for Gentiles. But she wouldn't let that stop her either. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus apparently comes to the place where he realizes that she's not going to be turned away without getting what she wants. So he commends her faith. And tells her that her daughter is free from the devil's influence. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words. It goes on to describe how you do that. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of my heart. Then it tells the results of putting the word first place in your life. For my words are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Putting the word first place in your life is a foundation to receive anything and everything from God. You remember in Numbers chapter 13, it tells us about the 12 spies that went into the promised land. Ten of them came back and said, the people are too strong. We can't win against them. But two, Caleb and Joshua, took a different position. I remember these were the people that saw the miracles of God that delivered them from Egypt. They saw 
God or Moses part the Red Sea and the sea come back together again and drown the army that chased after him. It tells us that 10 of the 12 had an evil report. But two of them were different. Two of them had already made up their mind that they were going to do whatever God said to do, no matter what they found in the promised land, no matter what the strength of their armies would be, no matter whether their cities had walls around them or not. They had already put the word first place in their life. They had already seen what God could do. And so their position was they were going to follow God no matter what he told them to do. I believe this is the foundation stone that makes your walk with God either victorious or a failure. This generation saw the miracles of God in Egypt. And folks, there is no country on the face of the earth that is more known for the things that they built. Walls, towers, pyramids, any number of things, much of which is still available to see. much of which still exists to today. Well, the building of the Egyptians didn't stop the power of God from performing miraculous works. Why would they think that the walls around the city of Jericho would stop the power of God? This was something that Caleb and Joshua had already settled in their own minds. And they, as a result, declared that God was on their side so they could do the work and win the victory. One of them even declared that their defenses had departed from them even though they had walls around their cities. What caused their defenses to depart? God giving the land to his children. Some people come upon circumstances or consequences of sin in their lives. And they take a position that they might obey what God's word tells them to do in their situation. But others have already settled the fact that the word of God is eternal and unfailing. And so they will obey God's word and keep God's word regardless of what the word tells them to do.
pretty much anybody in the Gospels that received from Jesus. Without faith, it's impossible to receive. So we know that all of those people were in faith. And the ones that received the miracle working power of God were the ones that settled within their own mind the questions and the doubts withstanding. They accepted God's word to be the final authority. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 tells us about a leper that came to Jesus. He said, I believe if you are willing, you could clean me of this leprosy. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And for whatever reason, he had not concluded that it was the will of God to heal him. So he brought the question to Jesus, literally asking, will you heal me? And Jesus said, I will. And he stretched forth his hand cleansed the leper's skin. The leprosy departed from him in a simple miracle, not a lot of fanfare, not, a, not very showy. But the leper was healed. The answer to the question that was asked of Jesus was necessary for the leper to be healed. He had witnessed the power of God. But I guess he assumed that the ones that were healed that he was aware of were just people that God had a willingness in his own heart to bring healing and victory to. I wonder how many people are stuck with the leper's question. They believe that God could heal them. He has the power and the ability to heal them, but he's not sure whether it's God's will to bring healing to bear in his body and in his situation. Folks, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. That means if he healed one, he has to heal all. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 8, Verse 16 and 17, that the, in the evening, when the evening was come, they brought unto Jesus those that were sick and influenced by the devil, and he healed them all. 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, and with his stripes we are healed. According to that scripture, the fact that Jesus took stripes on his back to accomplish healing was made available to each and every person. Not one person left out. Jesus healed them all. It was the healing of all the sick that fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, and with his stripes we are healed. Well, that's what the Bible says, but we know that the church doesn't preach that. Most churches, most Christians are stuck in the leper's position without knowledge of whether it's God's will to heal them. So just as the centurion took what he heard Jesus teach and utilized that knowledge as a foundation for taking hold of the healing power of God for himself or in his case for his servant. He had to make it his in order for it to work. Even though he was in a job as a centurion, a military commander, with the experience of authority exercised in his own life, it was only when he took it for himself that it came to pass. But it was him taking the power of God for himself that changed him from a person with knowledge of Jesus to a person of great faith. My son attended to my words. Incline your ear into its sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. In other words, see yourself with the answer. Now, inclining your ear to his saying and letting them not depart from before your eyes, that's taking the word for yourself. That's taking God's word, the power of God's word, unto yourself. You're the one that doesn't let it depart from before your eyes. You're the one that inclines your ear to its sayings. What you listen to, what you see yourself with, that's up to you. It's not up to God. God would have everybody believe his word. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. 
So keeping them, keeping God's word in the midst of your heart would be the same thing as confessing his word, speaking his word over and over and over again. That's what happened with the woman with the issue of blood. She heard of Jesus, so she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now the reason she did this is because when she had heard of Jesus, she began to say, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And so she fights through the crowd to get to it. She touches his garment. Jesus immediately stops, recognizing that power had gone out of him and into somebody. He stops and asks the question, who touched my clothes? Now his disciples, seeing the multitude around him, seeing that everybody is pushing on him or pushing to get up against him, there have been an innumerable company of people that have touched him. And so the disciples ask, how can we find one person that touched you when everybody's trying to touch you? But Jesus looked around about him to see her who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, came before him, fell down before him and told him all the truth. She told him that she had heard of him healing the sick. She told him that she began to say, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. She told him about how she had to fight through the crowd to get to him. And when she touched him, she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now who was responsible for her faith? Did Jesus do anything to give her faith? Not specifically. It's possible that she could have been around Jesus at other times and heard what he had to say. But whether or not she took the position to let what she heard about him hold any value or power in her life, that's up to her. She decided that she would have faith. It wasn't something that just happened accidentally or casually. It was something that she exercised herself toward. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I'm not sure why he didn't commend her for her great faith. So she seemed to do something that was similar to the woman in Matthew 15. But nevertheless, he identifies that her faith made her whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She began to say, if I can just touch his clothes, it shall be whole. Her faith was in the healing power that was in Jesus. Maybe that's the difference between her faith and the woman, Syrophoenician woman's faith in Matthew 15. 
she and the centurion were just simply looking for the word to be spoken. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 put her faith in what she would get when she touched him, or touched his clothes. Maybe that's the difference between the faith of the woman with the issue of blood and the great faith of the centurion. Well, if based on that, then every one of us, whatever we believe God for is operating in great faith because it is as a result of the word that we speak. The authority of God's word given to us by speaking the words of power that we find in the scripture. Folks, if we're going to receive from God, we've got to make his word first place in our lives. We've got to keep it in our mouths. We've got to see it, see ourselves with the answer. We have to give ear and give attention to whatever it says. And if we do that, then that word becomes life unto us as we find it. And it becomes health to all of our flesh. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. In other words, we must believe that he is what the word says about him. And we must believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We've got to see him as our rewarder. We have miracle power available to us no matter what our situation is, no matter how severe it is, no matter how long it's been. The Word of God, no matter what we're facing, the Word of God is powerful, filled with miraculous power for each and every one of us, at least those who make it theirs. Those who make the word of God, the truth of healing, the truth of provision, the answer to whatever our problem is. We have miracle power given to us once we accept it, once we make it ours. There's no miracle that's too big. There's no problem that's too tough. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the word of God in the mouth of a believer? I 
I wonder how many people will get to heaven and realize for the first time in their lives that they had miracle power available to solve the problem that they had, to fix the situation that they were in. I believe there's going to be a lot of crying in heaven over missed opportunities here on the earth. The Bible says God will wipe away every tear in heaven. One of the things I think people will be crying about is when they see how easy it could have been for them to simply take hold of the healing power of God. All they had to do was make it theirs. All they had to do is accept it as truth and hold fast to it in word and in action. God for his word. David said in one of the Psalms that he wrote, if he hadn't been, if it hadn't been for the word, he wouldn't have made it. If it hadn't been for the word, he would have given up. I wonder how many people have given up that could have and would have had the answer. Miraculous power to change their situation, to change their lives. But they didn't keep with it. They didn't hold fast their profession of faith. They didn't hold on to what makes it theirs. God's word is true and it works every time. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together, please. Whatever you're believing for, and I'm assuming that everybody's believing for something, but whatever you're believing for, I want you just to close your eyes, draw a circle around you and the Lord, and thank him what he's doing in your life through his word. Father, we bless your holy name. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you, Father, that you're no respecter of persons. That your will to heal and to bless every one of us. We put your word first. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've taken stripes on your back for us, for every one of us. Thank you, Father, that we're healed from the top of our head to the soles of our feet.
see ourselves with that healing, Lord. We see ourselves free of sickness and disease. And we thank you that your word is at work in us. Thank you that your miracle working power is manifesting in us. To effect a healing and a cure in us, top of our head to the soles of our feet. We worship you, Father. We bless your holy name. Father, you said in your word for us to be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto you. We cast away worries. We cast away questions that would hold us in bondage. Father, because we believed that we receive based on your word, we give you thanks. We manifest the sacrifice of praise. We thank you for the answer. Hallelujah. Say this after me. I am carefree because I've cast my cares upon the Lord. And I am in faith. I am standing in faith based upon the truth of God's word. And for me to go down, God's word would have to go down. So I thank my Heavenly Father for His Word, His power, His miracle working power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Folks, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. God's Word is true. And it will see you through if you'll make it yours. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you folks. Have a great day.